Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for supernatural girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Hey, welcome everyone to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio, where you never know what's going to happen. I am your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here by myself tonight again. Poor PK, Patricia Kirkman, as you know, my co-host on the show. Well, she had hip replacement surgery, and she thought she was going to be up and running around like crazy, but that hasn't happened. So I spoke with her earlier today, and she just isn't feeling well. I can understand that. It's a big surgery. I know a number of people have had it, and they say afterwards they feel great, but while they're in recovery, it's not so great. So we appreciate all the well wishes you've sent in, all the people that have sent in prayers for PK, it is so appreciated. Believe me, she t- said to make sure that I thanked everybody, all of our listeners, for making the effort to let her know that you're thinking of her. That's so kind. So thank you so much. Well, tonight we have another very interesting show. We are going to be speaking with Dwight and Rhonda Hull. And they are going to be talking about their investigations of the wild, wild west, all the goats, all the people on the other side that they encountered. They also had a lot of their own wild paranormal experiences and EVPs they're going to be talking about. So it's going to be a very exciting show. We are going to hear directly from Dwight and Rhonda about all of the outlaws, miners, and pioneers that they encountered. I can't even imagine what life was like back then. My God, no phones, no cars, just everything, I guess, by word of mouth, no horseback. And it was wild, I'm sure. So first of all, let's go through paranormal news because there's a lot going on. We have had a tremendous amount of reports in the mainstream news, which is so strange, of UFOs. And pilots that have been reported, reporting seeing these UFOs, they've been taking videos and photographs of them and posting them. And I guess it's part of the soft disclosure that we've been seeing over the last six, seven months. So there's been a lot of that going on. And then I came across this story that I wanted to share with you. And this is, it happened in Baja. California, where a woman took out her camera phone and filmed what is being called the first alien UFO sighting of the new year. The video appears to show a vertical object that is taller wide 
hovering in the orange sky above the rooftops as the person is filming. And she, I mean, she's she's driving down the road seeing this thing. Now, we've heard before that there were humanoids, flying humanoids spotted in Mexico and in Brazil. We've had stories of that before. And so I'm not surprised to see this again. It's, it's quite fascinating. Now, although it looked like a humanoid, people are saying they're not sure what it was. And some people, of course, are calling hoax on it. But that's, I don't think it is. Uh, this, this person, I think, is pretty credible. And it's, uh, I think, a very interesting story that we should pay attention to because, as you know, our guests are going to be talking about ghosts, et cetera, but there are also lots of interdimensional beings that people have encountered, and I wonder if this is one of them. So anyways, this uh, Pedro Martinez is saying, you can see that the tubular UFO is flying vertically over the city, and the Daily Mail describes Pedro as a UFO expert. And then aliens are aware that we have made a number of space launches recently and have identified that we've been sending up, in quotes, war material. So that's something that has, they think has concerned uh, the aliens, and they are not happy about it. So this year, they said, will be very important for those who are following the phenomenon closely. So one of the space launches that Martinez may be referring to is the recent SpaceX Zuma launch, which we now know included a secret U.S. spy satellite. So there's just so much going on in our skies. My God. So the satellite was supposed to be launched into orbit by the Falcon 9 rocket, but it's since gone missing and is believed to have either broken up in the atmosphere or fallen into the sea. Because of the top-secret nature of the mission, SpaceX will not comment further on the lost satellite. So as with every UFO, some are calling the Baja California sighting a hoax, as I mentioned, with others saying it's a man with a jetpack on his back. But I looked closely at this, and you can too on our Facebook page. It doesn't look like a man with a jetpack to me. So the figure does look like a flying person, but so far... There's no alternate footage that we can use to validate this. So it's uh, it's really important, I think, to keep an open mind with all of these things. And that is something we are going to do. Now, I just saw our guests come to the studio board and then they disappeared. So they'll be back, I'm sure, in a minute. And in the meantime, we're going to go to commercial break. We'll be right back. Astridian is a family of cosmetic products with 98% pure ionized minerals. We combine our science with a blend of essential oils to nourish and take care of your skin's health. How does it work? All Astridian products contain the proprietary redox technology, having the capability of simulating an ionic zinc-copper superoxide dismutase effect. This free radical scavenger currently in your body has been diminished by toxins and the daily stresses of life. It is a perfectly balanced mineral complex that all $200 an hour dermatologists, their professors, and ancient history have proven. Redox technology is a process of reducing the skin's oxidation by transferring electrons from a radical state to a stress-free normal condition. Oxidative stress is a form of cellular aging, and as science has proven, a precursor to disease. The free radical theory of aging 
states that organisms age because cells accumulate free radical damage over time. Damaged cells are not beautiful, but healthy cells are. The Astridium family is presented in four different uses that cover unique benefits to your body. They are the Essential Anti-Aging Series, the Multivitamin Series, Sports Series, and Professional Series. Regain your youth with the power of Astridium. Visit www.astridium.com and inquire. Use the code SUPERNATURAL and receive a 10% discount on your first purchase. Astridium, the beauty of being healthy. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With Cosmic Fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I have with me right now on the air, Dwight and Rhonda Hull. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> I'm glad you're able to make it tonight. I know it's a little challenging with a new platform, but you did it. So you have my congratulations. <laughs> Yay, thank you. Well, I'm just going to tell everybody a little bit about you both. You're such fascinating people. So tonight we have with us Rhonda Hall, and she is a world-renowned psychic medium and has been communicating with the dead most of her life. Unlike many mediums who consider ghosts to be earthbound spirits, Rhonda believes that most spirits have successfully crossed over, but they like to revisit us. So that's kind of a nice thing. And Dwight Hall is with us also, and he has more than 30 years of experience as a paranormal researcher and animal communicator or pet psychic. He has been featured on numerous paranormal television shows as an expert in the field, but most notably on Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures Tombstone episode. Well, welcome to the show. You are authors, along with Dan Baldwin, of a great book. It's called Speaking with the Spirits of the Old Southwest. I read it. I loved it. But first of all, tell me, I mean, you both have a fascinating lifestyle, going around and investigating these things. How in the world did you get into this? Oh, is it for the book, you mean, or uh, yeah, or us in us in general? Well, you can go both ways, but I think for the okay. book, first of all, it's an interesting okay. topic to choose to investigate. Yeah. Well, it's it's always been an area of interest for me and also for Rhonda. You know, the old west since we live in the old west. It just seemed natural to try to 
you know, explore it and try to, you know, contact some of the people who lived during it, excuse me, during that time. Um, we got together with uh, Dan Baldwin, who's, you know, a writer and a, just a fantastic pendulum dowser. And we kind of talked about it for a little bit and said, you know, I wonder how all three of our skill sets would kind of sync during an investigation. So we said, well, we're in the right place at the right time. Let's, uh, let's try a location. And we did, uh, which I think is the first chapter of the book, Lease in Jail, the no, Courtland Jail. And uh, it just, it was unbelievable. I mean, uh, the moment was just, I mean, it was tactile. You could feel, you know, the whole situation as it unfolded. And, you know, after that, we thought, okay, we I, I think we got something. Here. <laughs> yeah, we were hooked. Yeah. That it's, it sounds incredible. I mean, jails are a place that I like to stay away from, both for the living and the dead. But I would imagine that an old jail like that held so much of a dense vibration. Did it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, basically it was a two room, basically a concrete jail. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the energy that it holds, um, just the feeling you get when you walk in, it's very small, but, you know, the feeling you get when you walk in is huge. And we had to kind of, both being psychics, we had to kind of battle that a little bit as we, you know, tried to contact, you know, whoever was there. And, uh, and it turned out that the guy that was there yeah. wasn't actually uh, a prisoner there in life but he was there in the afterlife because that's where he thought he belonged. Oh, no kidding. He thought he belonged yeah. in the jail after he died. Yes. Why? Why would he think that? Did he tell you? Um, he did. I'm trying to remember the details. There's been so many. Um, he, I cannot remember the specifics. I can't Why? either. I'll have to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that he felt... Um, he he had done something in life that I don't even know if we got it clear from him, but he had done something in life that he was um, ashamed of. He felt a lot of guilt and remorse. So that's where he placed himself um, after death within the jail. So. It was incredible. And he's been there, obviously doesn't know the passage of time, but it, I mean, he's been there for what, a good hundred years, 200 years? Uh, probably about a hundred years, yeah. 130. Thirty, yeah. Yep. Gosh, buddy, we we were assisted by um, a spirit also who was trying to get him to leave. So we had help from the other side as well. And did you get him to cross over? We did, on, in that instance, yeah. We did, and you know, one of the one of the best things that, about that whole thing is, you know, of course, I was running uh, a, a voice recorder the whole time. And at the very end of it, after we knew he had crossed over or was fixing to cross over, we got a very clear EVP saying thank you. No kidding. Ah, well, that must give yeah. you a good feeling because you weren't just there doing investigations. You were really also there helping to find peace. Right. And honestly, we never know who we're going to run across. Um, we had no idea this guy was there when we went there and we were just looking to communicate with anybody and then it just unfolded and became more emotional as we found out what he needed. Um, but I think there's been very few cases of that. Mostly it's people are happy where they're at. So that's good to know. Yeah. We'd all like to be happy where we're at. <laughs> so that would be good. 
Now you great. have, yeah, really, you have encountered outlaws, and I have a funny outlaw story to tell you on my own. <clears throat> um, my husband was thinking he was going to teach me how to do archery, so I said fine. And he pulled out a big bow and he put the target very far away. And he said, now, listen, I really want you to concentrate because I don't want to be chasing these arrows all over the place. They're expensive. And, you know, I don't want to be bothered with it. I said, no problem. So I drew the bow back and I shot and I got a bullseye. Wow. Wow. My husband couldn't believe it, and, and I was laughing because what he didn't know is that I am a relative of Jesse James. So I have a, I have a good shot. I can shoot anything. So, oh, my goodness. <laughs> it must be in the blood. Fun. It's in the genes. I really believe it is. So whenever I have to do something like that, I channel Jesse, and he's right there. So I was very interested in your book and interested in your experiences with other outlaws and what they had to say. So I want to get into that as well. I mean, there's so much that's rich about your book, so much rich material here. And I don't want to give away all the stuff that you've written about because I want people to buy the book. But, I mean, I would think that experiences like this have really enriched your own lives, too. Oh, absolutely. Every case touches us in a different way. Um, you know, I've been doing this for over 30 years and I'm, I'm still learning and, um, you know, and every case is like the first time for me anyway, I am always blown away. Even though I have talked to spirits since I was a little girl, um, this is different. Uh, and it just, is so um, it's educational. It's I feel gratitude when they welcome us. Um, and you know, you're talking to this person that you've read about or you've heard about. Um, so it's 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 been very uh, a very moving experience, I think, for both of us. Now, one of the questions that just came across my for uh, a text question here to you is this: Have you did you? encounter any entities that were scary that you you really wanted to run away from not in this book not not, in this book not in this book uh book two it's coming out in a while uh we just finished wrapping that up locations yes there is one in there um that was very very unpleasant but in in book one no um even the outlaws uh like the clantons which I think is in book two anyway, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they were so welcoming to us, you know, nothing what you'd see on TV or read about, you know, they were this and that, you know, Johnny Ringo, who is in the first book, um, you know, one of my absolute favorite outlaws of all time. And he was pretty accommodating as well. He's not, you know, not at all what, you know, you they portray him. Right. No kidding. Well, you know, it doesn't surprise me because let's think about how this history was recorded. I mean, it's not like people had video cameras and cell phones and everything else to make a record of what was happening. So, so much of it was just passed on from one mouth to another. So who knows what was accurate, right? Yep. And, and if they liked you or they didn't like you, uh, depended on how the news went. And you know, one news would say one thing, and it was very much like it is today. Um, you know, one newspaper would be favorable to the outlaws or the cowboys, and one newspaper was favorable to the lawmen or that side. 
So it depends on which one you read, which story you got. <laughs> so you were getting it right from the horse's mouth. How wonderful. I mean, that's exciting information and probably a, a heck of a lot more accurate than many of the things that have been written. So what did you find when you were talking to some of these outlaws about their lives and, and what they were doing and why they were doing it? Um, you know, a lot of things that we learned, um, well, like in the case of Johnny Ringo, John, John Ringo, uh, yeah, that's the biggest thing is never call him Johnny. Um, <laughs> he corrected us. Yeah. Okay. He, he corrected us very quickly on EVP. Um, my okay. first time out there, I went out doing an EVP session and I said, Hey, you know, Johnny, I'm just out here to, you know, talk to you and get your story. And boy, he came across with some real foul language saying, you know, F, F. F to Johnny. So I was wow. like, okay. So <laughs> from now on, it's either Mr. Ringo or John when we go out there. Um, no kidding. And, yeah, yeah. And see, with his case, it was always thought that it was a suicide. And he told us different, that it was a murder, and he named the murderer. Oh, my goodness. So who murdered so him? We had, uh, Buckskin Frank Leslie. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, I would and imagine there were a lot of... Go ahead. What's that? Oh, uh, we're actually, we've been, we've been working with uh, Cochise County Sheriff's Office and other entities to try to get the case reopened, at least to put the cause of death as undetermined um, and not suicide. We're just trying to, you know, do, do him a favor and try to clear his name. Gosh, you know, that's wonderful. I would imagine that would help his soul uh, rest a lot more easily that you're trying to correct the history that was recorded about his death. So tell us a little bit about Mr. John Ringo. What did he, where was he? What did he do? Was he a train robber or a bank robber or what? Why was, you know, what kind of an outlaw was he? Well, uh, John Ringo, he, uh, he ran with uh, Curly Bill Brocious and the Clantons and McLowrys in Tombstone. Cowboys. They were all cowboys. Um, Which was a bad term in those days. It, wasn't, right. it didn't mean a cowboy rancher. It, it was a derogatory term. Um, uh-huh. Although they were, kind of the, they were kind of the law in Tombstone before the Earps arrived. They were kind of the protectors, if you will. Okay. Yeah, so he ran. He, he ran with them. Now, he was just a regular yeah, guy. I mean, that's what I was wondering because I think a lot of these outlaws were, or they started out being regular guys, and then a turn of events brought them to this path. And certainly, the law enforcement back then was not what we see today. And so, people could do a lot of what they really wanted to do. If they were mad at you, they they could have a duel, or they could just shoot you, or burn your place to the ground. There was really no accountability like we may see today. So it it was the Wild West. And did they tell you all about that? Um, You know, in in different cases, they didn't really, you know, tell us a lot about life um, back in the day uh, because we were kind of directing questions mostly towards them. Um, But I'm We just lost them, and they will be right back, I'm sure. So what we're going to do is just take another very short commercial break while they call back in. So uh, this is fascinating. Well, I hope someday they're going to investigate and speak with 
my buddy Jesse and find out what in the world was going on with him. I know he had quite the life, certainly quite the reputation. So we're going to take a very short commercial break. We'll be right back to Supernatural Girls. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with Cosmic Fusion and Quantum Vortex Energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the Source. With Cosmic Fusion, the Source Energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. Our guests have returned. I think maybe uh, Mr. Johnny got upset because you called him Johnny. You guys, uh, what do you think? Something kicked you off the air. <laughs> that was strange. That was strange. Our, our, our call was uh, still here. We didn't drop. I don't know what happened. You know, it's so funny, you know, when I have talked to Blog Talk in the past about problems with people getting dropped or uh, strange things that come in on sound, they're like, do you have a paranormal show? Because that's the only time that we have these problems. <laughs> so anyways, the energy gets really intense. And I do believe that you're being watched right now by some of the folks that you did contact. And uh, Mr. John Ringo is probably one of them. So anyways, it's good to have you back. And tell us more about some of the profound experiences that you've had. I mean, who, I would say in your whole book, which was wonderful, Spirits of the Old Southwest, I mean, who really touched you the most? Who really just pulled at your heartstrings? Okay. Um, That would, for this book, absolutely hands down would be uh, the last chapter of the book. Um, I think we call it Hop Town. Um, We were doing an event, a paranormal event in Tombstone, um, and we had 
uh, Brian Cano from Haunted Collector with us. And uh, we were investigating uh, what's now uh, like a, a set that they do gunfights and yeah. stuff like that inside. And it's, it's set up like a bar. So they all got to the bar. And, of course, Brian Cano, being Brian Cano, who's an amazing man himself, but he was kind of directing everything. Me and Dan were trying to stay way back because we were tired from, you know, the previous day, and Rhonda was trying to take a little bit of a rest, and they started getting some activity. So Brian called Dan up to the bar, and I'm not going to give away the chapter, but... Uh, kind of wanted him to do his thing with the pendulum. Do, yeah, to do the pendulum, and then, you know, Dan called me, and then we kind of both called Rhonda as soon as we started getting in contact. Long story short, we got in contact with, a murderer and his victim who were both Chinese and his victim was forgiving him and trying to get the murderer to cross over. Wow. Well, that's unusual. Oh, so it, was... it was, it was intense. There were, you could have heard a pin drop um, other than us just trying to help this, man crossover um it was dead quiet everybody was focusing on on us and what we were doing and i, I was bawling uh, because it was so emotionally overwhelming and we were being filmed by this film crew that was in there to film the house where we had our event at and um so there was probably 35 40 people in the room um not a peep the moment that we crossed him over and uh, the victim went as well, everybody in the room was bawling. Every single oh person. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Lost it. And I won't say Brian Cano was crying, but he had a sudden attack of allergies at that exact moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, that says a lot, doesn't it? So you yep. can't blame us on a lack of Zyrtec. It was just not working. <laughs> yeah, right. Hold those feelings back. And, and you really shouldn't. You should let them out. I mean, obviously, this sounds like a very deep and profound experience. I mean, a murderer and the victim, both together. I mean, working, to, talking to each other, working together. And I would imagine that you, all of your energies between among you, Dan and both you, Dwight, and you, Rhonda, together really form an interesting triangle so that these these entities have more of an opportunity not only to communicate their story but to make changes in their reality, wherever their reality is. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, the, the dynamic between the three of us works so well um, because if the spirits can only communicate with the pendulum, we're, we're prepared for that. If they want to communicate psychically with either Rhonda or I, we're prepared for that. If they want to communicate through voice, you know, we've got the recorders going all the time. So we try to make it as absolute easy as possible for them so we can try to learn more and help them. Wonderful. Now, with your voice equipment, is there anything, you know, special that you use? Because I know the audience always wants to know, what do you use to capture these EVPs? I use strictly an Olympus digital recorder, um, one that just hooks up to your PC. Um, the lower, kind of the lower end of the Olympus recorders, 
Um, I have found over the many years that the more high-tech you get with voice recorders, the more filters they have in the microphones, and you end up, in the long run, kind of washing out the EVPs. You're not actually uh-huh. catching them. So using older models um, definitely helps a lot in catching the EVPs. So that's all we use is just I've got several of them of the same model, and that's what we uh, that's what we use all the time. Yeah. We don't use any, um, you know, high-tech equipment while we're out there because, A, most of the time we're out in the middle of the desert, and you're not going to really see anything. Um, with a REM pod, you might hear um someone approached, um, but also because when you're really tied to equipment, you're distracted from your own gifts, if you will. Um, yeah, that's a good that, point, that, Rhonda. Yeah. You know, the, the, the REM pods and the uh, spirit box and all that. I mean, we, we have those, but we don't take them for this purpose because you're filtering out your own gifts. You're so dependent on that that you're not paying attention to what's inside of you. You know, that's a, I really appreciate your saying that because it, it is important to let yourself have an experience of communication. And if you're just watching all this technology, you're right. You're not giving yourself that. And isn't right. that what they really want? I mean, do they want to talk to the tape recorder or do they want to talk to you? Right. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. That's why, you know, we'll turn it on at the beginning of our little investigation and we'll just Forget about it. But yeah, then, yeah, then it's like sitting down at the dinner table with someone. You know, we just have the recorder on to record the conversation, not necessarily them. Um, although it's great if we get something, but we're, we want to have a conversation like we're sitting down at a table with them. And that's so welcoming. Yeah, that's very welcoming. I love that approach. Now, when you do pick up your tape recorders and go home, and you and you've obviously found some interesting things what tell us more about the evps that you have recovered from these investigations uh we've recovered uh several several evps uh, and the, the thing about evps is of course not every chapter in the book has an evp with it because not every time you go out do you get evps that's just the nature of the game that's uh that's just the way it happens but um a lot of the evps that we did get um were pretty stunning. Um, one of them, uh, we were out at a ghost town called Charleston, uh, which is about 10 miles from Tombstone, and it's literally a ghost town. There's just, you know, little bits of buildings here and there. And like I say, I won't go into a lot of it because it's in the book, but we got an EVP with a gunshot because we were trying to ask, we were talking to each other, trying to figure out how to mark a particular area where we were standing. And we're talking back and forth. We still had the recorder going. It was on a, a rock to the side of us. And we heard a gunshot on the recording. We heard a gunshot, and somebody said, with bloodshed. Oh, my and goodness. It's just, yeah, it was an amazing. We asked that, too, because Dwight forgot to tell you that Charleston is overrun with trees. So it's um, very jungly looking. And uh-huh. in summer months, it's green. In winter months, it's yellow so if we weren't that's why we wanted to mark the location so that we had a clear indication of which way we needed to go regardless of what season it was it's very hard to tell where you were (laughs) yeah i would imagine oh my so you have these that kind of an evp is just amazing now 
when you've taken your tapes home and you hear these and they're so crystal clear, that's one thing. But sometimes some of the EVPs that people have played for us on the show, it's it's really difficult to hear them. Did you have an experience of that too, where you could hear something, oh, yeah. but you couldn't make it out? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All the time. Yeah. We'll come home and Technically, you know, we'll get a couple of those, but then one good one. Yeah, usually. usually. But, you know, that that happens all the time where, you know, you'll hear a voice, you know it's a voice, you recognize it as a voice, and you you know it's like four syllables, but you just can't make it out. Right. Those are the ones that we get. Those are the ones we just kind of, you know, put aside. Because if it has to be interpreted that much, then the whole point is lost on the EVP. It's not saying what that spirit was trying to say you're trying to interpret it and i don't like to interpret things like that i like to hear it you know as clear yeah, as possible if, if you if you hear peanut butter and i hear jelly those also get thrown out yeah. <laughs> if it's I not think. absolutely crystal clear then you know what's the point and a perfect example of um, that is we went to um, an old military camp just recently for book two and we were doing some pre-investigation, and Dwight had the recorder running. He was, we were just walking around an old house, and um, he was kind of naming the room as he walked through them. Oh, this would be the living room. And um, then he gets to this one area, and he's like, ah, oh, this would be the bathroom. And, you know, we did our thing. We came home. Right after he says, this would be the bathroom, there is a clear Hispanic male that says, Baños. Baños. Which is bathroom. Bathroom. Right. And we we got a female voice too, but we couldn't make out what she was saying, like we were just talking about. So we knew at least a couple people are there. Let's go back and do a a full investigation. Oh my. Well now some people take the EVPs and they either slow them down and try to hear it that way, or they speed it up. Have you tried any of those techniques to see if it makes a difference? You know, I've tried a lot of different things over the years with different softwares and, and that. And, you know, i got to tell you, honestly, for me, um, you know, I don't like to mess with the EVPs that much at all. If it can't be heard clearly the way it was recorded, I mean, maybe I'll slow it down if it needs to. But if, if anything, I'll just amplify it just so you can hear it louder. Uh, mm-hmm. But that that's all because it's just – you know, voice and video and pictures nowadays can be so easily manipulated by yes. all the nice computer stuff that we have that I just don't even lend ourselves to it. If it's not a clear Class A EVP, then we just don't use it. We'll put it to the side. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, then there's no question. It is what it is, and you haven't messed with it to the point where people would question what you're doing. So I totally understand your uh, your instincts in this, and I think your instincts are good. So tell us more about the, the kinds of people that you met, and and again, the ones that you were really really intrigued with. I mean, were there any children, any women that had particularly interesting stories to tell? Well, you know, we did have, um, we talked to, uh, what, Maddie Earp. Uh, oh, oh my God. Now, yeah, Maddie, Maddie Earp, Earp was the wife, right? Right, was Wyatt Earp's wife. And after they kind of split while in Tombstone, she went 
uh, to just north a little bit uh, up to uh, what Pinal? Is that, yeah. Okay. Well, first she went to California, and then, and then she went back to Pinal, and she kind of lived out her days there, and she died there. Uh, so we went up there to her grave site, and uh, luckily was actually contacted her, and you know she had just an incredibly uh, sad. It was you know, It really was. Um, and again, I won't get too clear on that, but it, it's just a really interesting part of the book um, to see how she viewed herself and what her role was on the other side. Um, so that was incredibly interesting. We also had um, a little girl. Yeah, at Fairbanks. At, at the... Uh, Fairbanks Cemetery, and we also had the little girl at, in Gleason. Oh, yes, at the Gleason Jail. Yeah, uh, the hospital. Yeah. The hospital, yeah. yeah she, she was the angel of the She was the angel of the camp, basically, because she told us uh-huh. She told us that she was helping the spirits cross over. That was her job. You know, so this little girl, about 10, 12 years old, um, you know, she talked to us. And, you know, she talked to everybody. And, you know... It, it was kind of both heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time that this little girl took it upon herself to, you know, help the other spirits to either cross over or to be settled where they were. So she found her, her mission and what she wanted to do uh, when she passed out. Did you find any uh, kind of groupings of, of children that died from disease? Or was it mostly accidents? Or what did you find out about that? I mean, those were some tough times back then. Yeah. Um, most of the children that we've encountered have uh, died from disease. Um, there was a lot of that out here in the West. Of course, you know, medicine was very scarce out here. Um, and being children, of course, you're more susceptible. So uh, the children that we do talk to, um, generally have died young from disease. Um, we One of our favorite haunts, so to speak, is the Buford House in uh, Tombstone, where three very small children of the Bufords passed away in the house. So we go back every year on our wedding anniversary because we got married at the house. So oh, we no go kidding. back every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we go back every year that? on our... Yeah, and we talk to the kids and have story time for the kids, and uh, we make it a whole weekend thing. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Goodness. You have so many exciting spots to visit out in your part of the country in Arizona. And, again, so many, it sounds like so many spirits that want to talk with you. What about Native Americans that have passed? Did you encounter any of them? Oh, yes. Yeah, we've we've encountered uh, several. Yes. yes. It's hard in Arizona. It's hard not to encounter Native exactly. Americans. <laughs> now, what about Geronimo? Have you have you spoken to Geronimo yet? Oh, well, that's that's interesting because book two. In fact, our last thing we just did a couple weekends ago um, was up in the Chiricahua Mountains, and that is the person we talked to. No kidding. We, and we didn't well, we didn't. We didn't even go there. We didn't even know that that um, military camp that I was just telling you about. That prior to it being a military camp, that it was um, basically an Indian reservation where they lived, not where the government put them, but where they lived. 
um, between mm-hmm. the Chiricahua Mountains and the Dragoon Mountains. Um, so we didn't even know they had an encampment there um, until later. Um, so it was really, really interesting. Well, Geronimo, from some of the research I've done and in, in speaking to the Native American community, uh, he had an ability, apparently, to, to pass through portals. So he would just pass through a portal in one place and he'd show up miles and miles away and nobody could figure out how he was doing this because it was literally at times in the blink of an eye, he'd be one place and then he'd be like 50 miles away in another place. So that type of ability was, was just astounding. And certainly uh, the old medicine men and women had access to to this type of of travel, and I was wondering if he ever talked to you about that, or maybe you should go back and talk to him again and ask him if he didn't the well, first well, time. We have to go back and talk to him again. Um, you know, it's funny you mention that because when we were doing a session, he kind of came in on it, and we were all kind of just taken back. We weren't sure who it was, but we all had the feeling like we were meeting a rock star. Yeah, kind of that. <laughs> Like, wow. this guy's bigger than life, whoever it is. And we didn't want to say the name because we thought, you know, come on, what are the odds? You know, we're up here talking to, you know, old soldiers or whatever. And, right. you know, Dan finally he Dan finally asked the question, and yeah, it, it came out that, yeah, that's who we were talking to. And we were like, okay, now we know. Oh, and, my God, Mr. Geronimo. Yeah, it was, <laughs> It was like meeting David Bowie. It was like, holy cow, this exactly. guy's larger than life. Absolutely. Yeah. He was just amazing. And, and the stories I've heard are quite incredible. And I'm glad that you have contacted him. Perhaps he'll be able to bring through more information about these portals and how he was able to use them to go from one place to another. But one thing I know also about Geronimo, and you probably found this out when you spoke with him, he had a great amount of respect for everything he did absolutely absolutely that was really um prevalent amongst the leaders in the chiricahua apaches tribe um we have met his i think cochise is his brother-in-law yes so we have Uh talked to cochise several times actually um you know all just amazing amazing men leaders. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I hate to say this, and I'm sure there are some uh, still very powerful medicine men and women in the world today, but I haven't met any since uh, the passing. I did meet Rolling Thunder. Uh, I did speak with Mad Bear Anderson. I mean, those were in the same group with Geronimo. I mean, although Geronimo stood in a class by himself, but I don't see that same wisdom coming uh, to us from people like Geronimo anymore, which is a shame, but there may be some out there and I'd like to get him on my show. So if you meet anybody (laughs) like that, no, but Geronimo certainly uh, was a very special, special person. Oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear about your next adventure when you, Meet Geronimo again. I can't wait wow. to go back and talk to him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. So he's quite remarkable. I mean, I think of Geronimo as like the closest thing to a human ET 
back then that we've ever heard of yeah. because of again the things he could do uh just nobody else could do what he could do so yeah well we want to have you back on the show to talk about your next go-round with him <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah so what have you learned what would you say that surprised you when you went to speak with some of these people that had passed in the old southwest is there any surprises oh well yeah you know the it all kind of depends on what questions you ask. And unfortunately, I mean, you know, and I think we're all guilty of it, those of us who investigate a lot, uh, you end up asking the same questions at different locations. And when you ask the same questions, you get the same answers. And, you know, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword there. However, we did talk to a lady out of another ghost town, um, just north of Tucson, and we really learned just it is kind of a mind-blowing thing that we never even thought about before. But she was telling us, you know, of course, this took probably 45 minutes of conversation to get this figured out. But she was telling us that she, when she died, she had the choice of what time period she could live in prior to wow. her living to go back. Wow. She couldn't go forward, but she can go back. And that's oh, kind of mind blowing for us. And you what know, do you make of that? You know, I, you know, then you get into the whole, you know, reincarnation, reincarnation, or you know, you know, time rifts and interdimensional, and you know, it opens that whole big balloon up, and you know, it's just kind of a, it's a head scratcher, and it really set us back on our heels a little bit. So we were scratching our head after that, not sure what to make of this conversation that we just had. And we picked up our things, and, and Dan wanted to take us further down this road to show us a, um, a petroglyph on a rock that was up on top of this hill. So we walked down the road just a tad bit, not very far, and he said, I'll be right back. I'm just going to climb up on this hill and find the petroglyph because it was on a little rock, and then I'll call you up. So he climbs up there, and he disappeared, and Dwight and I are waiting and waiting, and pretty soon we're starting to get worried. Where, where did he go? Did he fall? Yeah. Is he injured? Um, so we climbed up this little hill, and Dwight kind of covered one half, and I covered the other. And we're, we can see our vehicles and where we would just were. It's not that far. I saw no Dan. We hollered. It echoed. No answer. Uh-oh. We could not find him at all. So we walked back down yeah. to the road, and I said, um, you stay here. I'll walk back to the car, get a drink of water, look for Dan. He comes up, and I'll come back. I no sooner got to the car and got a drink of water, and here comes Dan and Dwight walking down the road. I'm like, where were you? Yeah. He'd come back to his his vehicle, was honking the horn, yelling for us, never heard us. We never heard him. So we didn't know, was the spirit trying to show us what it's like to be dead? Or was did what we did we still don't know what happened? <laughs> yeah, because you know that they had to have passed each other on this dirt road. Dan and I passed each other, yeah, on this dirt road, but we never saw each other, and it's about ten feet wide. Yeah. Oh my goodness! So I'm sure you're still wondering what happened, but there's a number of possibilities, I would guess. I mean, when you talk to the dead, obviously you're walking into a different dimension. 
And so are you considering that, that possibly Dan stepped into another dimension and that's why you couldn't see him? Absolutely. Either he did or we did, you know, one of the two, but one of us was in, you know, a different, that's, that's the only way I can make sense of it is that one of us stepped through some kind of a veil to another dimension and we were existing at the same time, but not on the same plane. And they were just kind of, I think they were just trying to show us that, that this is what it's like. And it was, it was a mind blower because we were just sitting there in a circle saying, I had to have passed you. The road is only a hundred yards long and 10 feet wide. It's not a long road. And right. he couldn't hear the horn. He didn't hear us yelling. We didn't hear the car horn beeping anything. It was just like he'd vanished or we did. That is, well, thank God you all found each other again in the same reality, because I'm sure you've heard a lot of stories, as as we have on the show, about people that have disappeared, period. They're gone, and nobody can find them ever again. But so thank goodness that you all converged at the same time in space. Oh, my goodness. Because there are a lot of portals uh, in Arizona. At least that's what we've heard. I haven't uh, seen any of them myself. I haven't traveled to Arizona in a while, but I certainly heard that there are some very powerful uh, portals there that people can pass through, and, again, they can disappear forever. Yeah, we have thought about going out and trying to find this location again, but then, you know, there's that whole what if. (laughs) I know, really. Let's not push it here. We want you back on the show. Right. So, <laughs> right. otherwise, we have to go find you ourselves. I don't know, uh, but yeah, that's there's there's so many mysteries around this, and the whole mystery of time and space, the whole mystery of how many dimensions there are, and then the whole mystery of life after death. You're really bringing in a lot of mysterious energy when when you go hunting the way you do, and I don't mean hunting Absolutely. in a bad way. It in a good way. Right. Right, right. Yeah, I never this- never did like the term ghost hunter. We're I guess we're adventurer and investigators, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we're not yeah. We already know they exist. Yes. Yeah. No. So. Yeah, I, I'm not big on the hunting aspect myself. I think it's like, well, you know, why would you take a stick and and shove it into the face of a snake. It doesn't really make any sense to me. But what you're doing, you have an altruistic goal. You want to find out their stories. You also want to help them if they need help. And I would imagine you're also giving a lot of hope to people about life after death because people are seeing that this isn't all there is. And when they pass, there's, there's going to be a continuation of consciousness. So you're doing a lot of good. Yeah, we hope so. That's yeah, that's the whole purpose of the book is just to kind of show people that, you know, it's it's not all, you know, dark, creepy buildings with green night vision. And, you know, there's a purpose for what we do. It's not just to go out and see if there are ghosts. We already know they exist. We go out to try to get their story, to try to relay their story or to help them if they need it. But if they don't, we're very happy with saying, hey, fantastic, glad you're Glad you're happy here. Can we come back and visit you sometime? Exactly. Exactly. Well, one of our listeners wants to know if you've ever captured any images on camera. Uh, yeah, I have. Um, yeah, Buford House, we, we did get, I set up some cameras uh, the very first time, and we did get a very 
it was very light but very clear image of a uh, of a man's figure profile. profile just walking through the room. You can actually see his legs, you know, moving and his arms kind of swinging. He was actually just walking through the room, kind of in a light gray mist. Yeah, it was really kind of incredible. Um, I've caught you know, a couple of things on camera, like at John Ringo's grave. Um, I caught uh-huh. a perfect silhouette in two photographs of a cowboy with a cowboy hat and his arm in different positions for each picture. It was it was interesting, but it Gosh, doesn't happen very often at all. Yeah, I'm sure it doesn't. It's uh, it's rare, and at the same time, it's interesting to me how the camera seems to pick these images up when a lot of times we can't see them with the naked eye. Right. Right. And, you know, I'll tell you, um, I love digital, you know, photography for, you know, taking standard digital pictures and, and people do use it for the paranormal. But, you know, when I first started 30 plus years ago, uh, you know, I had a Polaroid camera and a reel to reel tape recorder and a compass. That was my equipment I went out with. And, you know, <laughs> believe it or not, the Polaroid, that. But the Pol- yeah, the Polaroid actually picked up more anomalies than what the digital does. I think that's probably, uh, you know, we're kind of technology in ourselves out of the the ghost business, so to speak. You know, that's interesting because we had Robin Foy on the show. He's a physical medium from the UK, and he's taken just a tremendous amount of, well, actually, he didn't take the pictures. The pictures, the camera, excuse me, the camera was a Polaroid, and it was placed in the center of their seance table. And when they would take the film out and have it developed, there would be pictures on the film of other realities, of, of people that had passed. I mean, it was just amazing. So you're right. There's something about the Polaroid camera and the Polaroid film that allows for more of that to come through. I think we need to talk to Polaroid, have them provide us all with yeah. in the paranormal <laughs> field with their cameras. I don't know. Are there Polaroid Absolutely. cameras anymore? I think I saw one person use one maybe last year sometime, and I was surprised to see it. We We have one, actually, but film is so dang expensive now because – they don't, you know, yeah. kind of a rare thing. Um, so if we do, you know, it's got to be like a special occasion because, it's, you know. It's pretty spendy, but, yes, I still have my trusty Polaroid. And, <laughs> you know, we, we will take it out again. Oh, that's great. Well, I, I've yet to get my hands on a Polaroid camera, but I, you're inspiring me to get one because, again, these things, they I'll tell you another thing they did with the film, which you might want to try on some of your expeditions, they took the film out of the camera, just in its package, and put it on the center of the table and had that developed. And guess what? Wow. There were photographs on that. So there's wow. some, yeah, exactly. So there's some strong compatibility with that film. So again, Dwight, I think you're right about this, and you might want to give that a try. Uh, Robin had tremendous success and his group with using Polaroid camera and then just the film. And then they had investigators come in and they locked the film in a box and put it in the center of the table. And it still came out with photos from the other side. So, um, again, I think think you're right. The the digital stuff, uh, the other side might struggle with that a little bit. And we're certainly trying to make it, and you are, as easy as possible for them to have these communications. So it might be time to 
to dust off that Polaroid. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. It looks like we'll be yeah. eBay tonight looking for film. Well, <laughs> that's what I'll be doing too because you've inspired me to, to take another look at that. So we're going to take another very short commercial break. And when we come back, I want to talk to you both about Tombstone. That is an amazing place. And I know you've had some great experiences there. And what is the name of that saloon? Was it the Birdcage? Was that it? Uh, well, the Birdcage Theater, yeah. 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 We need to talk about that. Fascinating. Stay tuned, everybody. We are going to be right back. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio. Stay tuned. for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With Cosmic Fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. 
Available on Amazon.com. Astridian is a family of cosmetic products with 98% pure ionized minerals. We combine our science with a blend of essential oils to nourish and take care of your skin's health. How does it work? All Astridian products contain the proprietary redox technology, having the capability of simulating an ionic zinc-copper superoxide dismutase effect. This free radical scavenger currently in your body has been diminished by toxins and the daily stresses of life. It is a perfectly balanced mineral complex that all $200 an hour dermatologists, their professors, and ancient history have proven. Redox technology is a process of reducing the skin's oxidation by transferring electrons from a radical state to a stress-free normal condition. Oxidative stress is a form of cellular aging, and as science has proven, a precursor to disease. The free radical theory of aging states that organisms age because cells accumulate free radical damage over time. Damaged cells are not beautiful, but healthy cells are. The Astridium family is presented in four different uses that cover unique benefits to your body. They are the Essential Anti-Aging Series, the Multivitamin Series, Sports Series, and Professional Series. Regain your youth with the power of Astridium. Visit www.astridium.com and inquire. Use the code SUPERNATURAL and receive a 10% discount on your first purchase. Astridium, the beauty of being healthy. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. And once again, PK, I'm hoping, will be joining us next week when she feels better and is more on the path to recovery from her hip surgery. That's a big deal, I guess. So, again, many thanks for all your prayers for her and all your good wishes. She really appreciates that. And be sure to go to our Facebook page. We've got all the latest UFO stuff on it. We've got all the latest mysterious stories on it. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got a lot of shows there that you can listen to. And we've got a few new things. We have a video interview that was done by our intern, Catherine. She did a great job interviewing me for one of her classes. You can take a look at it over on our YouTube channel. And pretty soon we're going to have our bedtime stories for you now that I've recovered from my health incident and I stopped coughing. I can't tell you what a relief that is. So anyways, we're going to have all kinds of new things. Make sure that you're signed up on our newsletter, The Fringe Files, which you will find on our Supernatural Girls with a Z website. We are doing a total redesign of that site. You're going to see all kinds of new things, new music on air. We're going to be doing all kinds of fun stuff. So make sure you are in the loop so that you know what we're going to do next. Now, next week, just so you know, we are going to have a pistol of a psychic on with us. She is from New York City, and she does on-air live readings. She's going to be offering that free for all of our audience members. So be sure to join us, and you can call in. She'll do a reading for you. She did one for me. She was very accurate, so I can't wait to have her on the air. That's next week. But right now, we are speaking with investigators Dwight and Rhonda Hull, And we're talking about their adventures in the Old Southwest with many of the dead that they encountered, the EVPs that they recorded, and all of the stories about their outlaw friends, their new friends from the other side, miners and pioneers, and even Geronimo, which I hope to hear more about in the future. So, okay, you guys, I want to talk to you now about Tombstone. Can you tell our audience a little bit about the history behind Tombstone? 
Well, you know, Tombstone was uh, founded by a miner called Ed Shefflin uh, back in about 1878-79. The reason they called it Tombstone is because all the soldiers at the camp he was at told him that the only thing he was going to find out here would be his tombstone. Well, he ended up finding one of the biggest silver strikes this side of the Mississippi. The town sprung up. They decided to name it Tombstone. And, you know, history kind of goes from there. You know, the Earps and uh, the Clantons and uh, the gunfight at the OK Corral, and it just kind of keeps on going. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Go ahead. When Tombstone was in its uh, heyday, there was how many how many people lived there, babe? Twenty thousand, I think. Yeah, somewhere around twenty thousand people lived there. Right now, I think that's the population is about twelve hundred. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's so a lot. Twenty thousand—that's a lot back then. Yeah. What did you find when you started investigating Tombstone? That's such a great name. <laughs> oh, it is. It is. You know, and I I love Tombstone. I moved there. Uh, from Phoenix, I moved there in 98, 1998, just because I loved it so much. And I spent, you know, the next 16 years just learning everything I can, talking to as many spirits. Uh, of course, one of my favorite places is the Birdcage Theater, the famous Birdcage Theater. Um, you know, I've actually become, if you can say this, you know, I actually became friends with one of the local spirits there. His name is Caleb. Uh, he always lets me know he's there when I go there. Uh, he generally always tries to give me at least a one or two good clear EVPs every time. And it's kind of a nice working relationship, so to speak. <laughs> I can you know, bring people there. Rhonda and I have gone there just ourselves and have really you know, been able to really communicate with everything from dance hall girls to prostitutes to bad guys it's just kind of the old west in one building really yeah always active and in fact i we've found that it's more active like first thing in the morning than it ever is when we've done nighttime investigations like overnight so it's interesting so more in the morning that's very strange yeah you would think it would be the opposite but no we, we we get a lot during the daytime yeah Gosh, now, so to me, that sounds the birdcage theater is what you call it, but it sounds like a saloon. I mean, do people go there to just belly up to the bar and then, you oh, know, yeah. be entertained? Oh, yeah. what, what were they doing? Well, so, it, was, it, was it, like, it was a dance hall. It was a, a dance, dance hall. It was a dance hall that they had shows. Um, there was a bar there. They'd play pharaoh and cards downstairs. They had a bar down there. Uh, and course, prostitutes, you know, used to... Uh, you know, they're out of their wares, so to speak. <laughs> um, you know, during the shows and such. So it was, it was just really a, an all-in-one place must, for. You know, it sounds I'm like sorry? they must have some shootouts there too, right? In the Many. in this stage uh, theater, many, yeah, many. I would There's guess a, that. Yeah, in fact, going in there today. You can, you know, you can look up in the ceiling and still see bullet holes. There's bullet holes in the stage. There's bullet holes wow. in a lot of the pictures and, and yeah. wall hangings. So it was kind of a wild and raucous place. It sounds it. 
gosh. And with 20,000 residents, I mean, I would think that, and this was the, the main entertainment for everybody, so it was probably always full. It was day in, day out, 24 hours a day. It never closed. And there was about 100 bars on Allen Street, which is the main street where everything is. Um, nowadays, I think there's like four or five bars. Um, but there was 100-plus bars on that one street back then. That is just nuts. That <laughs> is nuts. <laughs> well, we know what their main activity was then, right? Right. So, oh, my goodness. I, but, it's you know, it sounds, again, it's, it does sound like this is the epitome of life in the Wild West, is in Tombstone. So, it, it does, was there any, were there any other towns as big as that? Or was that it? Well, well, we had, you know, close to us, we had Bisbee and, um, you know, Tucson was, you know, was there. Um, but this was probably the biggest town in, in southern Arizona at that time. Uh, it was the biggest boom town this side of, uh, you know, Mississippi, other than maybe San Francisco. So a lot of people stopped here uh, on their way to California and either found their fortune or lost it here and either stayed or went to California. So this was a wow. pretty major hub of everybody coming through here at one time. Gosh. So it was like a on the main thoroughfare, this is where you, you went, this is where you traveled through, it was your destination, or you stopped there for a little bit of time. So it just sounds like quite an exciting time to live. And certainly you're both very fascinated with this, this period of time in our history. Yes, yeah, we are. Absolutely. It's just a it just has been in my blood since I was a little kid, I guess. So and having the opportunity to be out here now, live here, you know, own a home and be able to go out and play, you know, <laughs> anytime <laughs> we want is uh you know, you can't beat retirement. <laughs> hey, you're living the dream, Dwight, you and Rhonda. This is yeah. great. This is just great. Now when you go you've gone to some of the graveyards in the area. And have you have you found it has more activity in these graveyards? No, really. Uh, you know, and I'll be honest with you, as a general rule, we don't generally like going to graveyards. Um, we don't really find a lot of activity in them. Um, and, I, you know, over the years, it's been kind of weird. I, you know, sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. I don't know if it depends on you know, location or the, or the residents of the graveyard. Um, but we've been to Boot Hill in, in Tombstone several times, both day and night. And, uh, you know, we've gotten a few things here and there, but nothing, you know. Yeah, we had a ghost dog. Yeah, we had a ghost dog that was there, and he barked a oh. lot during our recording. <laughs> wow, a ghost dog. Yeah, a lot oh, of people okay. don't think about. Wow. Yeah, well, but maybe the people over. I'm sorry. Did you cross him over, your ghost dog? No, no. <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't cross him over. He seemed to be pretty happy where he was. So. Okay. Okay. Gosh. How about this? There's a question here from one of our listeners about buried treasure, because as we all know, there were miners out there, and some of them did bury their treasure because they were afraid that it would be taken by others. And were you ever directed to go looking for any kind of treasure when you spoke to these people that had passed? You know, we've, we've never been given directions as far as that goes to treasure. And we have asked on, on several occasions from 
like the Clantons, you know, because we go up to their old ranch. When did you bury your money, during yeah. Mr. Clanton? <laughs> yeah, you know, they were always, yeah. you know, getting money and burying it and everything else. So, you know, we'd always ask him in hopes that maybe, you know, he'd tell us, but no. we've never been directed, unfortunately, um, <laughs> to treasure. Now, we were given directions, and it's a very long story. I'll make it extremely short. Our first time trying to find the Clanton Ranch, we got so turned around because it's in the middle of the desert. We got so turned around, so we just sat down and we did an EVP session on uh, the north side of the San Pedro River. And we were like, you know, if anybody's here, can you please tell us where the Clanton Ranch is? And just clear as a bell, a male voice says, you're on the wrong side. And oh, of course, oh, we, oh. Didn't, we didn't know this until we got home and listened to it. And and we pulled up Google Maps. We pulled up Google Maps and plotted where we were, and the Clanton Ranch was exactly on the other side of the river. So, wow. So did tell us you got very clear directions. Isn't that great? Oh, my yeah. goodness. Well, yeah, you've made some good friends then, obviously, if they're going to try to help you. And this one did. Whoever he was or she was, they told you exactly where you needed to go. Now, once you yeah. got to that ranch, what did you find? Well, the second time we went, we got lost again because we went the wrong way. <laughs> oh, no. We went the long way. We didn't really get lost. Well, we sort of did. But it was a really long way, not the way that we go now. But um, we finally found it after, I think it was six or seven miles. Um, we were really we tired. We were tired, exhausted, scratched up from all the mesquite brush and everything else. But we did find it finally. We have a lot of mesquite brush out here in Arizona, and it's um, it really it has thorns like rose thorns. Oh no, those are sharp. Yes. So when you're walking through them, you get scratched, you know, unless you're, you can find a way around them. But generally, no, you can't. So we got there. We were all bloody from walking through the mesquite, and we we're tired, and we did our. Hey first, Rhonda, uh, can you just? Can you can you move a little bit closer to your microphone because you're going in and out a little bit and we want to hear what you have to say. So, is, is this better? Yes, thank you. Is we better? can hear you now. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, so we sat down, um, turned on the recorder, and I just started calling out names because by this time I'm tired. I'm a little bit upset and cranky, and um, I'm bet. calling out all the all the cowboy names and. You know, is anybody here after I did it? And uh, we ran a, a little bit of a session, and then we rested a while, and we went home. And lo and behold, when we listened back to the EVP, um, the, right after I am calling out names, you hear a, a man kind of with a southern accent, not real twangy, but a little bit of a southern accent, say, um, long way, uh, no, over here, long way, really bad brush sting right after. Oh, so we, we was addressing the fact. Right, brush sting. We didn't even know what that was. We had to look it up. It turns out it's being scratched up by the mesquite. It's an old cowboy ah. term. Wow. So you know you were talking to somebody from way back then. Isn't that exciting? So they didn't have much protection, and you didn't either from this, this terrible mesquite. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and they knew apparently what it was. <laughs> yeah. Um but we we went back um the 
I think maybe a month or so later um, to re uh, kind of address whoever talked to us. And White started kind of, once, once we reached the ranch, he started kind of going out of bounds and, and back into the brush. And um, I, the recorder was just running. I wasn't really saying anything. And we got the same voice on this time that said, now that'll give you some brush sting for sure. He was obviously watching oh. Dwight. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah. exciting. So we, we, yeah. It is. It is. And these, these EVPs will be in book two. So that's the story coming up in book two. Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, you obviously have a nice, uh, you're, you're having a great adventure, but you do have a commitment to what you're doing. So I'm sure that that helps in bringing their stories forward. So, Absolutely. my goodness, is there anybody, when you think about the old West, the wild West and all of the things that the stories that we heard about in history, is there anybody that you'd really like to be able to talk to anybody that stands out that you haven't met yet from the other side, but that is, it's in your sights. You want to talk to this person? Well, yeah, actually there's two. Um, your cousin. One of them is your cousin. <laughs> The old Jesse. All uh, right. I've, I've, always been, I've always been just completely just really fascinated with him. Um, so, yeah, that he's one of them. And the other one that we really, really want to do, um, and it goes back just a little further than the Old West period, is we want to talk to Meriwether Lewis from oh, Lewis and Clark. Yeah. Oh, because his his death, yeah, his death was still questionable. Uh, They don't really know what's going on, and no one's ever no one's ever really gotten a clear, uh, you know, understanding of what happened. So we want to go, you know, to where he passed away, and see if we can talk to him and get some clear answers and try to clear it up. Oh gosh, that'd be great. And the same with Jesse. There's some mystery around his death too, isn't there? So that would be great. Now, where would you go to speak to Jesse? You know, I don't know. Maybe his uh, Missouri. My, my first, my first thought would be his old homestead where his mom was. That or or that site. I don't know yeah. if that house is there anymore, but yeah, that site. That would be my first thought, since that's what he always kind of came back to a lot of times. Even when he was alive, he always kind of came back home and checked on things and his mom. So. Um, yeah, I'd love to talk to her too. She was she was feisty. I like her. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's great. Well, and that yeah. So you have a couple of people on your list that are that would be fascinating once you connect with yeah. them. Now Dan is the third author on the book and the third investigator, and he's the one that uses a pendulum, right? Yes. Yes. And what the, tell us a little bit about how he works with that and what kind of a pendulum does he use? Because that's another question that my, one of my audience members had here. They want to know a little bit more about how he uses it in an investigation. Okay. Um, well, as far as what kind of pendulum he uses, it's, he's got several. And, uh, you know, he's, like I say, he's the pendulum guy. He's what, probably one of the best I've ever seen. Whatever pendulum he's drawn to at the time, or if it's going to be windy when we go out, he uses a heavier one. Um, but he has got a variety of pendulums. Um, and he's been doing it for over 15 plus years. 
Um, Dan and I actually met working with a group that helps to find missing people and helps solve some homicide cases uh, through psychic detecting. And that's how we met and we all got together is bringing him down here to do our first one. But he connects with his higher self. That's who he's connecting with to get answers. And that works and he's through the pendulum. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry? He's obviously very good at it. Sounds like is he and is he also a dowser? Does he also douse? Um, you know, I don't know if he's ever, I don't think he's ever used uh dowsing rods or anything like that. Um he generally uses the pendulum just for either lost people or you know uh communicating like what we're doing now. That was kind of a new area for him when we got together. Um so I don't I don't know if he's really doused or not. Um we've got some uh divining rods that we we've bought but i'll be honest with you i I can't use those things they spin around like (laughs) they're just it's way beyond me and and same with the pendulum i'm fascinated by it we love the looks of them we have several but we are we are in no way uh you know the professional the professional like dan is um the only issue that you have to really think about while you're using the pendulum or what we have to think about when we're on an investigation is you can only really ask yes or no questions because the pendulum has to swing one way for yes and one way for no. So it does kind of limit you in that respect, but that's why we always have the backup of a recorder that records the whole session. So if they decide to talk instead of work the pendulum, then we have that as well as we kind of do, we kind of, uh, I don't want to say check each other during the uh, investigation. Dan will turn his back. Yeah, when he's asking. When something. he's asking questions or we're asking questions, and he won't say, you know, what the answer is. And we're off in different directions, too. I mean, right. next to each other, but kind of facing different and ways. We'll ask a question, and, you know, he'll say, you know, that's a no. And Rhonda said, yep, that's, or he'll ask Rhonda, what did you pick up? And she'll say, well, no, that's a no. And that, yep, that's what the pendulum said is no. And, you know, we're always recording it, so we have checks on each person, basically. So it kind of backs up both the pendulum, her psychic skills, my psychic skills, and also the auto recording. So it just kind of, it, it really works out well. And sometimes we ask control questions, too, that we know are, we know the answer to, to see uh, what the pendulum, what he'll get with the pendulum. So and it it's always turns out the correct way. So, but that's but the a, conversations in the conversations in the book are sometimes hilarious because we'll forget that we have to ask yes or no questions. <laughs> so you got the whole but comedy act. Right. Yep. <laughs> you do have a really great way of working together, and you know. Now that you mention it, I think Dan's been on our show right at the beginning when I was working with Helene when she was still with us uh, because the person that Dan worked with, wasn't the person a retired law enforcement person? Yes, that okay. They've both been on the yes. show. Yes. Okay. So I, oh, I you know what? I remember that show. Yes, yes, yes. It's all yes. coming back to me. Is that group still, are you still working with that group to solve uh, missing person cases and homicides? Actually, no. Both of us have since moved on. We have just different, so much different work going on that we don't have time to devote to, like, you know, 
committed to that. Yeah, and I, yeah, yeah, and that's hard work too. It's really tough. I know a lot of psychics who really can't do it because the images they get are just too, too, just too devastating. So I know it's a hard job, and but now I do remember Dan being on the show with the other gentleman, and the name escapes me. What's his name? Do you can you all remember? Kelly, Kelly yeah, Kelly Snyder. That's yes, Kelly. Both but I. Yes. Yeah. We had a great time with them. They had some amazing stories to tell and some really successful cases. The sad part of it was that the police or whomever, the family members, didn't contact them until it was way overdue. And I know it's so important to try to get everybody on the right trail yeah, right away. I, so Sometimes, Dan, we, we still work. I will have people occasionally contact me um, to help them find a missing loved one. I only work cases when it's Either a family member or a close friend of the family contacts me um, because I, I'm not going to work something. I have no way to get the information, you know. Of course. Long yeah. Time. Well, now, Rhonda, how can yeah. people get a hold of you? What's the best way? Is it Believe Paranormal? Um, well, I have one? my psychic page on Facebook, um, which is Rhonda Hole Psychic Medium. <laughs> um, and I actually do free read free readings once a week. Um, right. Okay. Medium, mediumship readings. Um, so, and uh, well, Believe Paranormal is fine too. Website works. I have my email on there. Okay, great. Well, that's how people can get a hold of you. Unfortunately, we're going to have to end the show. It's been so delightful speaking with both of you. And we hope to have you back for future adventures. So please keep in touch with us. And in the meantime, everybody, We'll see you on the Blue Highway. Be sure to join us next week for live psychic readings and take care. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls. Thank you so much. Can you still hear me? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. It, was, it was a great show. It was a lot Roger. of fun. A lot yeah. of fun. It was a lot of, lot of fun. Thank you so much. And I'm sorry I didn't mean to rush off the air, but I just, all of a sudden, they gave me the 60-second thing. So, anyhow. But keep us posted. Maybe uh, you can come back again and tell us more about all of your adventures with Geronimo. I'm very, very interested in that. That'd we, be great. We will make a special trip back and see what we can find out for you. Ah. That's terrific. Well, thank you so much. Great book, and I hope you do well with it. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so much. Have a good night. You too. Good night. Good, good night. night.